Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Weekend Preview Show. We'll be giving you all the latest team news, predictions and a little bit of insight ahead of another busy weekend of Premier League action. Don't forget, as well as our daily podcast, we're also your go-to source of daily Premier League news with updates on all 20 teams every single day. Just simply ask your Amazon Alexa device to enable Sports Social. It is a busy weekend. We've got some huge games coming up. Spurs go to top of the table. Liverpool, United are away at Norwich and Villa go to Champions Manchester City and talking me through that tonight, we have Richard Johnson, Head of Sport at Social Chain. Hello, Rich. Hi, Adam. You alright? Yeah, good. We've got Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent at The Athletic. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm alright, mate. Good, good. And we've got Fergal Brennan of The Sport Social. Hello. Hello. So, let's kick things off, I think, this week with... Chelsea, they go away to Burnley. I mean, they're on an incredible run under Lampard after he was under a bit of pressure. They're going to Burnley. It's a very much a cliche that it's a tough tie, isn't it? Sam, is Burnley going to Burnley now? Is it is it a cliche? Is it this tricky fixture going to Turf Moor? Chelsea haven't lost there in six. So. Yeah, um, I don't know. They beat Spurs last season. Obviously, you know, since then, Spurs' away problems have kind of come to light a bit more. Um, but it, you know it is a difficult place to go maybe it's a bit of state of mind as well I remember going there with City towards the end of last season and you know City City played that like a really tight match because there was so much on the line but you think you know if they go earlier in the season maybe it's a bit a bit looser and they would play with a bit more freedom and that kind of thing um, but that said they didn't concede a corner they, weren't, they didn't allow many crosses I don't think there were any shots on target City that day um, but I still think maybe you know maybe I am buying into the myth but I still think it it definitely can be difficult. Um, it's a style of football that you know most big teams are. You know they're not going to be too troubled by it. But you know if if they put a ball in the box and score after five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, it, it does change the game. And Chelsea have obviously getting it together at the minute in a big way. Um, but you know still I don't know some question marks around that defence. I reckon. And if Burnley were to score early on, I could I could still see it being a difficult game for Chelsea. Yeah, even though they've got this good record at Turf Moor. Rich, uh, as a Rovers fan, 
you'll you'll know much about Burnley, but are, are Chelsea just too strong at the minute? Obviously, they beat Ajax one 0 in midweek, which is a was a bit of an upset, really. So, is this a, 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 a like is it a good tie coming off the back of that? Would you would you say? Yeah, I think um, you know. I mean, ultimately, Burnley have um, sort of got a few decent results at home, but they did uh, they get battered three 0 by Liverpool, which again might be one to expect. Um, so I do sort of feel the way that Chelsea are playing at the moment that they'll probably have a bit too much for them to be honest Fergal no Kante for Chelsea there's apparently no uh, return date for him either which is, is a bit of an issue but whatever like, yeah ever <laughs> it, it, that's, what I, that's what I saw before it just says there is currently no return date they've just not put a date on it so he is a big miss but they are playing extremely well they are and as, as Sam said before the type of game that Kante will be absolutely vital in I think in these situations when top four or top six sides go to Burnley I, I do buy into the thing that I think now it is a little bit of a myth in terms of Burnley being able to get results at home against the big sides I think it's how the game is started how the, 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 the visiting side approaches it and having someone like Kante in your team sets the tone and I think that's for me the concern for Chelsea because they have got quite a few young players who is going to be the player in that Chelsea team setting the tone in the first 10 the first 15 minutes saying to the Burnley midfielders the Burnley back four we're not going to let you push us around at set pieces we're not going to let you you know launch the ball up to to Chris Ward if he's if he's past fitting time or or Ashley Barnes or someone like that someone like Kante I know everyone kind of talks about him and his diminutive stature and, and the way he gets around the pitch but he's very experienced He's a winner, he's a leader, and he, and he very much leads by example. What Chelsea are going to have to do now is look at these young players and say, we know you've got the quality to go and win this game. Have you got the mentality? You're looking at the likes of Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Fikai Tamori at centre-back. This is going to be a big test for them mentally. I think footballing-wise, they'll be OK dealing with these situations, but mentally, how they approach these games, these types of oppositions, is going to decide where Chelsea finish this season and it's going to decide ultimately if these players deserve to be playing in the Champions League next season or if they're going to be playing in the Europa League. Is is there any pressure on Lampard at all now? Obviously we, we sat at the start of the season after they got tonked by United in that really weird game. Is there now, it seems to me like the pressure's off, like it doesn't really matter what happens from here because he's getting the best out of these kids. And it, I don't and, think there ever was um, like an undue amount of pressure. Yeah. Obviously, you know, people talk about you know when Gerard went to Rangers, people were like, oh, it's a free hit. I was like, he won't see it as a free hit. You know, you want to you want to do well, especially if it's your first job, and especially with it Lamp being Lampard at Chelsea. Um, obviously, he was a derby first, but that is like it. That was a huge break, wasn't it? And people weren't really making their minds up on him after derby. But that said, it was a free hit of a season in terms of Chelsea fans were unhappy with Sarri by and large. So they kind of had to accept it because it's like, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't want Sarri in the end, and he got you a European trophy and finished third, which was decent. You didn't want that, so what are you happy with? You got to be happy with this, and it's, you know, the record goal scorer playing a load of young English lads playing a, a good, and a, you know, an attacking brand of football. At the moment, it we could probably say it's good, but at the start of the season, it wasn't good, was it? Because they looked very ropey and very open. But it's coming together now. But yeah, I don't think there was ever an undue amount of pressure on him. I don't think ever anyone was ever going to be really calling for his head, unless, like I say, it's gone terribly, a bit like Solskjaer at United. Okay. Because then people are saying that's a free hit of a season, but that's getting kind of so bad it might come to the head. But you know, as long as as long as Chelsea are doing anything. Above that, really, no one's going to be calling for Lampard to to be going or anything I was like that. Say, I mean, if you if you assess the situation as it is at the moment, you know, two points behind City, 
obviously, you know, they're, they're up there, they're, they're competing, they're challenging top four where they should be, and great position in the Champions League. Um, you know, joint joint top with with Ajax of the group. So I think ultimately you've got to say, I don't I don't think he really came into a, a an awful position. Obviously they lost their best player, um, couldn't sign anyone, but you know I did I, I do feel that they've still got a strong squad and actually he's been he's managed to really get obviously Mount and Abraham playing fantastically. So yeah, I, I think he's probably earned himself a lot of kudos I think for uh, yeah. for this stage of the season he didn't have to play them either did he yeah. um, a lot of people kind of make the mistake of thinking well it was all he had but you know another manager could have easily gone with experience to play Giroud and yeah. Barkley and, and not played Tamori at all um, but you know he, he's chosen to go that way with it and he's given them the chance you know Pulisic hasn't really Pulisic, got a look yeah. in um, and now Hudson had always coming back and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing they're, what they're Hudson quite exciting do. aren't they yeah. yeah they are they are Chelsea they are. because it's like shackles are off yeah We've got Mount, Abraham, Hudson, Adoy, which again, it's great for England as well that, that these lads are playing, but they're, they're not doing themselves any any harm, Chelsea, as a club, I don't think, at the minute, by having Lampard in with what seems like no pressure compared to any other manager we've seen in the Abramovich era. It's not like, God, if they lose against Burnley, he's out. Yeah. Because like Rich said, he's, he's doing well in the Champions League. Burnley are doing well. Um, they've kind of gone under the radar. They're in eighth uh, joint uh, on points with Spurs. Um, they've already won three games this season. There was a lot of talk last year about whether the Daesh era was coming to an end, whether he, I don't want to say found out because I hate that cliche, but they finished on, I think they had a minus 23 goal deficit last year, which for um, for Burnley, especially with the defence that they have and the way that they have stereotypically set up, finishing 15th on 40 points was really bad. So I think this season they've, they've played quite well. So I, I think they'll... They'll almost fancy themselves as giving Chelsea a good, good, good go this week. The problem is Wood and Barnes. Nobody's yeah. quite sure how fit they are. I, I mean, Barnes hasn't scored since the second week of the season in the Premier yeah. League, anyway. But it, again, maybe it's maybe I'm falling for the myth. But it, you know, Handful. you just think with yeah, exactly. You just think <laughs> yeah. with two two strikers like that and good wingers, you know, Dwight McNeil being one for sure. He's always in the team. The other one always seems to change depending on who's available. Um, but they all kind of do the same job, you know. They they provide them to a service. Um, yeah, not sure if Wood's going to play, but you know the manager's not going to give too much away in that kind of situation. But it it just always seems dangerous. It just seems like something centre halves. I don't know. It depend depends on the centre halves basically. Some mm. of them are going to like that kind of thing. Some of them aren't, and that's why I think we're saying it's a bit of a test for Chelsea. You know, Zuma um, be a big test for Tomori, who's looked really good. But you know, we need to find out more, and I think Saturday is one of those games where we will. Yeah, cool. So the biggest game this weekend, let's be having that right, is probably Liverpool against Spurs. Top of the table, Liverpool have been absolutely flying. Um, And then you've got Spurs, on the other hand, who are having a very, very mixed bag of a season. Obviously, they won 5-0 midweek. Great result for them, but it was against what we can all quite honestly say was a pretty poor Red Star team. Liverpool went away to Genk and won 4-0, which is a great result for Liverpool in what could have been a really tricky fixture. Yeah. Is this a good time, the answer's probably no, for Spurs <laughs> to go to Anfield? 
Um, it is and it isn't. I think the way that it plays into to Spurs' hands is they will have watched the Genk game the other night and you know we, we touched on it on the podcast last week about how Manchester United approached the game against Liverpool and how other sides have approached the games against Liverpool. I don't think they'll be looking at Liverpool and saying there's necessarily problems because as you've just said, they've gone away from home and won 4-0. They weren't at their, their flowing best and, and Genk did have chances. But there will be facets of the Liverpool game and the way that they're playing at the moment, particularly defensively, that Tottenham will be looking at and Pochettino will be saying, if we can go there with confidence on the back of the Red Star victory, and let's be realistic about this, Tottenham have had issues this season, but with Kane through the middle, with Song Hyung Min on one side, Lamela the other probably, there's still an enormous amount of forward threat that they do carry. So that's what they You would imagine that's what Pochettino will be focusing on. The concern for him is at the other end of the pitch where his back four or back three, whoever he plays it, have struggled in patches so far this season. How they cope with Liverpool's front three, I think, will decide this game. I think it's one of those. You know, we speak about this. Uh, well, every time I'm on the podcast, we've spoken about this, and Spurs just seem to be such a unpredictable sort of. What are you going to get this week? And um, and you know, ultimately, putting that up against. Liverpool, where everything seems to be going their way at the moment. You know, the momentum behind not only just the team on the pitch, obviously they managed to get, you know, sort of claw back and get a result last week um, that, you know, clearly they would have liked liked the three points, but that game's never easy for them. Um, Big result midweek. And then even today, you know, getting this huge bumper deal with Nike signed off that all the fans are genuinely excited about to the point that it trends everything's going their way at the moment and and I think that's interesting even the off-pitch actions are probably going to have an influence for them uh, going into this weekend as well Sam uh, Mm. Solskjaer seemed to have a plan last week when they they played Liverpool and it worked I'd say to to most of for most of the game until obviously that the cross came in from Robertson which wasn't even a good cross that ended up in the back of the net is that the way maybe and this is without our tactical analysis heads on is this is this the way to maybe stop Liverpool's attacking threat? I'm always a bit wary about this because I remember people saying it about City. And then people, are, even even now people are saying it, you know, with City. You know, I'll play like Wolves did, I'll play like Norwich did. But, you know, they both it's like they both had like different ways of yeah. approaching it anyway. Um, and I'm always kind of wary of this. Um, Fergal, I know Fergal will probably make the point about Sheffield United doing quite well against them. I'll let him pick up that button but no I'm, I'm not sure you know I think certain games you know United played above themselves a bit you know a big atmosphere much in the same way Sheffield United did um, it's a big game um, I think Liverpool might have not some massive mental block when it comes to Old Trafford but you know they, have, they haven't won there under Klopp and you know it is, it is a big game they go into it kind of like I was saying about City or Burnley early yeah, on you yeah. can build these things up in your mind and yeah. it snowballs a bit Um I mean, anything that kind of restricts um, them. Firmino, I think, is the main one. Obviously, the wing-backs is one. But the other day, you know, I did really well. I was looking at it and, you know, the way they, they had the front three, but the front three was blocking off a lot of options. And then McTominay was kind of going around, making sure they couldn't get the ball into Firmino. And obviously, Firmino makes so much happen. So, yeah, I mean, there's certain things you can do, but, you know, Liverpool are so good. Um you need a lot of other things to come together as well. So I'm, I'm not really sure that there's a, there's one kind of silver bullet for it. We're now joined by Sam Leverage from Total Football Analysis. Hello, Sam. Hi, Will. Hi, Sam. So we just want to talk to you a little bit about this massive game, Liverpool-Spurs. Um, could you yeah. just kind of talk us through, we've had a go, but obviously our uh, analysis heads aren't 
as strong as yours. Um, about the fullbacks, how decisive could they be in this game? It's obviously Liverpool's biggest strength, but could it be Spurs' biggest weakness? Yeah, and I think it will be a real factor, especially with how Spurs set up and whether they look to be a bit more confident, go with a, a back four or a back three as well. I think they will all come into play. And with Liverpool, we know that Andrew Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, they like to get down the wing and, and attack, but they will have Sergio Oliveira and, and then whether it's Ben Davies or Danny Rose on the left for Spurs, I think they're both attacking pairs of fullbacks. So how they kind of measure that out and balance it out to see whether one team is more offensive and gambles a bit more than the other. It'll be interesting to see, but I know that if it was me, I'd gamble a lot more money on Liverpool's fullbacks than on Spurs' fullbacks, especially defensively when, when they're looking to get back and Liverpool have the pace on the attack in, with Salah and Mane on the wings. So I think the Spurs will be best served if they can be a bit more defensive and, and try to cut their losses on their fullbacks. The, the likelihood in terms of who's going to start at, at fullback or, or wingback for either side is as you say, probably going to decide how this game goes. When you look at the yeah. two respective teams and you've got Robertson and, and Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool who were excellent last season, I don't think they've quite hit those heights so far this season, particularly Alexander-Arnold. When you look at the, the Tottenham setup, it's likely to be Danny Rose and Serge Aurier on the other side, I, w- I would assume. There's yeah. massive concerns over them defensively. One of the greatest strengths of, of Alexander-Arnold and of... Um, Andy Robertson is that defensively they're still very very sound they're obviously helped by the fact they've got Virgil van Dijk in between them but defensively there's a real issue for both Aurier and for Rose and something we've chatted on the podcast about before is in the middle Alderweireld and Vertonghen or or Davinson Sanchez if he plays they are really given the look of players that don't want to be at Tottenham anymore so with that in mind do you think Klopp is just going to say to his front three listen this back four or back five they've no leader they're not organised go whole hog for this yeah, I think that's the main difference. I think that Liverpool have a lot more confidence. I think that's kind of when Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are a bit more at their best. They kind of have that confidence to take the players on. They've got a bit more space. They're not coming up against the back four that just sits deep and, and forces them to play balls in from deep. So, And that'll be important for the full-backs and then also for the front three as well. We know that Firmino, he likes to have his fun with his passes, his back heels and all sorts. And with Salah and Mane as well, I think they're really wreak havoc with that Spurs back line. I mean, it's not the quickest. Davison Sanchez might come in just for that reason alone to try and keep up with the the runs in from the wings. But it would definitely be a challenge for Spurs to kind of create that block and then keep it firm throughout. I mean, they've done all right in the last few seasons when they've gone to Anfield and when they've faced each other anywhere. So it will be interesting, but I think it's a different matter of this season. I mean, Tottenham, we've seen that they're not the same as they have been in previous seasons. And I think their defence is one of the biggest weaknesses. They looked all over the place. So with that defensive issues, as you say, kind of the player's not their best, then obviously with without Hugo Lloris in goal, I mean, there's big differences in how they would normally face that. And I think Liverpool will definitely have a lot more confidence, be a lot more optimistic going into that game and trying to exploit the weaknesses that Spurs have and Liverpool have got a lot of options in midfield, particularly at the moment um, with Cater coming on and, you know, helping to change the game or to some extent against United Oxlade Chamberlain as well with the goals in midweek particularly that second one and Brian Aldham as well really getting was he yeah. nominated for the Ballon d'Or this week so you know he's really getting yeah. some recognition now um, if there was one spot for the three or maybe maybe two two of the three who, who would you go with um, to face this Spurs team I reckon the cloth will probably go with Wijnaldum. I mean, he's the trusted choice. He's the one who's fittest. He's at the most game time this season. I think that's the one that will be the first name on the team sheet. For me, I'd quite like to see Oxley chamberlain start. I mean, his performance in midweek was was excellent. So, I mean, his confidence will be sky high. He's playing really well. Obviously, he still hasn't had that run of games that, that he's been hoping for since he had that serious injury. So, it might be a bit too soon to throw him straight into the start from this one for Liverpool. But 
I think for Liverpool it's a big option as well to have kind of the, um, the Ox and then Naby Keita on the bench as well. They're players that can really come on and change a game. You look at Spurs and you look at the players that they might have and the players that could come off the bench and they're not kind of the players that have that kind of impact that could change it in the same way. I mean, Lucas Moura, Christian Eriksen, even Deli Ali if he starts on the bench, they're the kind of players who have that ability but they haven't been at their best. Whereas for Liverpool, you've got Oxley chamberlain and you've got Naby Keita who are coming into the game of two great performances. So it will be a real headache for club, but I think he'll be quite happy to have it. How about um, you know this weekend the battle between Kane and Van Dijk? Which uh, which way do you see that going? Well, I think for Kane it'll be an interesting one to see whether uh, Joel Matip's fit or not. Because I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that, and the current talk looks like he will be fit. But if it's not Matip in defence alongside Van Dijk, then Kane will be a lot happier. I mean, we all remember that game a few years ago at Wembley when Spurs thrashed Liverpool, and it was four-one, and Lovren got hooked off after half an hour. I think that's the main difference because if Matip's in there alongside Van Dijk then it'll be a lot more composed a lot more, more organised and, and then Van Dijk will just take on Kane and enjoy that battle because he's always seemed to have won it in recent games but then if there's Lovren alongside him then Lovren's kind of the player who likes to get a bit more physical a bit more stuck into that kind of battle and he won't let Van Dijk handle it on his own so I think Kane will definitely be looking to try and target Lovren if he's the one alongside Van Dijk whereas with Matip it's a bit more difficult to do that but it will be interesting to see when the lineups come out and how Harry Kane can adapt to that and, and handle the challenge. Thanks, Sam. Uh, go on, stick your neck out and let's uh, let's have a prediction from an analysis head. I'd go for a Liverpool win. I think there might be one or two goals in it, but I think Liverpool will be quite comfortable with their win. Perfect. Right, where can we find you on socials? Just so we can uh, we can send a social at Sam Leverage on Twitter and on TotalFootballAnalysis.com as well. Perfect. Thanks very much, Sam. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks to Sam for that. Uh, I think that's enough now for us with Liverpool Spurs. I'm going to be really annoying and ask everyone for a prediction just because it's <laughs> it's that big game of the weekend. So we're going to have to do it rich. 2-0 Liverpool. Sam? Oh, score as well. Uh, yeah, because if you get it right, you look like a hero. Yeah, but it doesn't happen, does it? 3-1 uh, nope. Liverpool. Fergal. Uh, I'm going to go right in the middle. 2-1 Liverpool. I just think uh, attacking-wise, they'll have too much. But I fancy Kane probably to get a goal. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be very very optimistic with a with a Manchester City biased head on and go for a two two draw. So that's definitely going to end three 0 to Liverpool. Right, that's enough for us for this side of the show. After the break, we're going to come back and look at West Ham against Sheffield United and a really interesting tie, a bit of bad blood in that one. And then we're going to be looking at Aston Villa's trip to champions Manchester City. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Hello, welcome back to the Football Social Daily. Before the break, we were looking at the big game this weekend, which is Liverpool versus Tottenham Hotspur. We also looked at what could be a tricky tie for Chelsea away at Turf Moor. I'm obviously joined by Fergal Brennan, Rich Johnson and Sam Lee. And we're going to be looking now at what might seem like a bit of a nothing game to some. West Ham taking on Sheffield United. West Ham having a little bit of a wobble. Sheffield United playing really well. And there's obviously a lot of bad blood between these two sides. Why? why? Come on, Fergal. Let's let's have a look <laughs> at why this game is, is such a 
an interesting tie, I think, this weekend. I think prior to the, the respective press conferences, uh, this wasn't really going to be laboured up as that much of an interesting game. I think this would have been, you know, filed firmly under middle of the running order on match of the day and probably looking at a, maybe a score draw. But I think the comments from Manuel Pellegrini in his press conference about Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder's tactics for Sheffield United and, and Sheffield United's way of playing, which he described as total British football. And, you know, he was kind of pushed on this and, and asked to explain it a little bit. And there wasn't really a clear answer to it but I think what's riled up uh, Wilder what's definitely going to have riled up the Sheffield United fans is this kind of discredit to how well they've done so far this season the fact that they've got really good results they beat Arsenal they drew with Chelsea they were unlucky in my opinion and I'd say the guys would agree with me against Liverpool an unfortunate error from Dean Henderson which got three points for, for Liverpool at Bramwell Lane so I think when you look at the way that they're playing I think to just kind of put it under a label is quite unfair and, and that's rightly irked Chris Wilder but I think this taps into into a deeper thing I think it's a very easy criticism to make of Chris Wilder unfortunately we, we look at him and, and people make certain assumptions because of managers from his age range who are British who've come through the leagues do seem to fit into a specific stereotype Chris Wilder doesn't but I do also think alongside that that there are a lot of fans of clubs that seem to take some sort of pride in the fact of this kind of... They'll almost be saying, yeah, total British football, that's a, a good thing. Instead of saying, well, no, Chris Wilder is doing a good job with a good team and, and they're punching above their weight. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be labelled in this way. I, d- I always find this with, with Eddie Howe, with Bournemouth as well, that, you know, the, the real lads kind of find it hard to, to praise Howe for his football technique. Yeah. Eddie Howe's an excellent manager, you know, doing really well at Bournemouth on a meagre budget. Why can that not be the focus of the of the conversation rather than, you know, Pellegrini coming out with total British football or, as I say, the lads talking about, you know, get it long up to the big man. It, it, there's an enormous in-between that, you know, the likes of Howe, the likes of Wilder are existing in. I, I think ultimately, you know, and, and being a... Got a that off my a, chest now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool down now. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think ultimately being a fan of a club in the championship, I, I do see it a lot in terms of there's certain teams and styles, and I think Norwich are a great example where everyone gets super excited about them, you know, sort of Fark's way and these these sort of breakthrough players and this expansive football that, that he plays, um, and people then wanting them to come up and do well. Whereas, yeah, Sheffield United, who, you know, do... do you know they they play some great football. They absolutely blistered through the championship last year. I think we see it time and time again. You know, you you, you mentioned Bournemouth. Um, I think you know everyone has a view on certain clubs that they want to see come up and compete in the Premier League. And I think obviously the one that everyone sort of wants at the moment is Leeds and and you know sort of the the work that, that that's been done there. But um, and you know sort of this more like foreign mentality that's come into the club. Um, yeah, it's a bit unfashionable, but ultimately. You know, as you mentioned, Fergal, they've had some great results, and yeah, West Ham been on a right wobble since they beat United, so it's uh, it's going to be a good one. Sam, is it lazy from Pellegrini? I think it's quite unlike Pellegrini to to put a jibe, whether he means it or not. I don't think he does. I don't think he means it how we think. I think Fergal's right though. It will have riled Wilder. Not that they need any anything. It seems like Sheffield United this season have got a bit of fire just behind them, regardless, especially at home. Um, they've been brilliant. Sam, what, there's obviously a lot more history between these two clubs. I've seen that West Ham fans are going to wear Tevez masks yeah. to the game. They're all taking that. Will, will that be in the players' minds? Obviously, it was so long ago. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, and even the Pellegrini thing, you know, he's talking about crosses into the box and just playing like wholeheartedly and, yeah. you know, physical. 
I mean, they do. I mean, they've got creative ways of doing it, and I'm sure no one, no one's going to deny that. And I, I doubt, you know, West Ham's match analysis guys would have, you know, not noticed how they go about doing it. But they do put balls into the box, don't they? And the whole the whole overlapping overlapping fullbacks thing is, you know, a way to put balls in. Um, interestingly, it's City and Liverpool who have put put the most crosses in the box this season, but. But nobody talks about that because they... Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what it is. But Sheffield United are, what, sixth sixth on the list? So, you know, they do put a lot of balls in the box. So I don't think he was having a go. Um, I just think the fact that if you call anything an English style of play, you're thinking Mike Bassett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, gets tired but as in, well. you know, But also, like, Engl- as, us as English people, we play down the English style of play. That's what we think of. You know, we think it's rubbish. So that's the first thing we, we you know, we have in mind. And, you know, when was the last time... Manuel Pellegrini said anything that you can remember of worth or of note. Or, well, not of worth, but of note. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So I can't imagine he's Out picked this moment but to that, have a go. But that's what surprised me about this. As you say, Sam, you know, you look at Pellegrini, and he's you know he's a bit of a bit of an old timer in these senses. Like his press conferences, you guys will know better than me from when he was at Manchester City. His press conferences weren't particularly exciting in terms yeah. of sound bites or in terms of cutaways. And and I think you know we do have to look at this of has this been taken out of context a little bit but given the fact as as you mentioned about the Tevez masks and, and the history between them and, and the fact that the two sets of fans are not going to need any more motivation now Pellegrini by these comments potentially being misconstrued the players are not going to need any more and, and as Adam said before Sheffield United do seem to have a bit of a fire about them and the Arsenal game last week was a prime example of that they were first to every ball anything that went loose in the midfield they were on it but Going back to the Pellegrini thing, they weren't they weren't clattering into Arsenal players. If anything, Arsenal players Arsenal were very lucky to finish the game with ten men. Sheffield United were very effective in midfield. Norwood, Fleck, Lundstrom, they're all really good. They they, they carousel the ball really, really well, get it into McGoldrick and, and there's not really like long balls being pumped up. At least Moise's goal was a really nice finish. That's that's not going to help West Ham's cause when, as we said, they're on a run where they haven't won in four games in all competitions. And for me, they haven't looked the same since they lost to Palace at home just before the international break because they were winning. Palace, we know, are not great away from home. And Palace kind of sucker punched them. And and that seems to have knocked them since then. They haven't really been able to get into their stride. Harla's goals have dried up. Yarmolenko has been back on the bench. Fornells hasn't really been playing well. And, and all this is going to play into Sheffield United's hands. So whether or not Pellegrini meant what he said or you know, it was picked up wrong. It's just going to be another stick in, in Sheffield United's fire. Is- if I'm if I'm Chris Wilder, I'm buzzing because yeah. You, yeah. You, you know you already know he's not looking forward. Pellegrini is not looking forward to this game. Yeah, yeah, yes, that, I that's suppose, what he's basically yeah. said. You know, yeah. Is is this typical of West Ham? The run that they're on, they beat United 2-0. So is, is this typical West Ham? Every season, and Jim won't forgive us for saying this, <laughs> they beat United and then they lose 4-0 to Oxford, they draw away at Bournemouth, they lose at home to Palace, they lose away to Everton. How how are West Ham going to be where they want to be? The fans seem to expect this year that they should be fighting for top six, but it already looks as though the wobbling... How how big a game is this, Sam? Is is this like where it has to change? Home to Sheffield United, then they've got Newcastle at home. It's probably a big week. No, it'll change at some point, even if it's not now. Yeah, they'll go on a run, but they won't go on a run enough to be. Well, what do they want to be? Exactly. Oh, we did the podcast, didn't we? After yeah. the Chelsea Liverpool game, saying what do they expect? Uh, well, didn't somebody said? I think it was Niall. To be fair, I think he said a West Ham contenders for the top six. I was absolutely not. Yeah, uh, no way. Uh, yeah, there was a day they beat United to be yeah, fair, wasn't yeah. there? So I can I can see why, but no, no, no chance. Um, 
and you know that inconsistency comes from Pellegrini as much as anything. You know they're they're an inconsistent club, West Ham, but Pellegrini at City you've got a better quality of players. Um, and I'm not saying you know it was easy for them to win the league because it's not ever easy for any team to win the league. Um, but you know the season after they won, you, you could see it was all kind of drifting away. Yeah. And you were kind of like, why is he playing Yaya Torre in there? He's not got the legs and it's not working. And these kind of decisions and. There are times when the players just look like strangers, whether it was Pellegrini City team or this West Ham team. Um, but, I mean, they could win tomorrow. They could beat Newcastle and then go on to the one of three. Well, and then, but then they'll drop off again. They'll do this. And even if it doesn't come this week, it will come at some time. But, I mean, I can't see them finishing it, much it higher seemed, than 10th. It seems vital, looking at their fixtures, Sheffield United and West Ham at home back-to-back. Then they've got a horrific run of Burnley away, Tottenham at home, Chelsea away, Wolves away, Arsenal at home, Liverpool at home. God, that's that, a run. That's a horrible run yeah, for any They ain't, ain't going to be in any trouble, though. They, like like, like no. I can kind of say with certain, certainty, and I'm not doing them down, they ain't going to finish in the top six, but they ain't going to get... you know. That, I don't even see them being in any kind of relegation trouble either. The, the aim now? Have they got to be realistic I think top ten would be a big positive for them, and I don't mean that as a slight, I just think yeah, that's the reality. After yeah. a few years. I mean, the thing is... In Everyone always looks at investment and they look at Pellegrini because of his credentials and he has got good credentials and he is a good coach. But, you know, there is there is consistent inconsistency that creeps in there and there is, yeah, there are times when his, his team look like strangers and that's just what you're going to get now. I think ultimately, like, this is the thing, you know, you mentioned it before, like Sam, but about that expectation and, you know, when you think, great, they, you know, fans' expectation at the start of the season is they should finish top six or, yeah, maybe even top ten. Now start looking at, at who else is around there and how competitive how competitive it is. You know, Everton haven't been firing yet. Um, you've got Palace who are up there playing really well. We've been talking about Burnley and obviously them grafting out results. Um, you know, Sheffield United playing well. Bournemouth, we haven't even talked about United and the fact that they're still, what, like 13th, something like that. So, you know, Villa, Wolves, it's even very difficult to finish in the top 10. Yeah, and I think that's that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, Sam mentioned it there when West Ham beat United, then we start having these conversations about them being top six. And there was the chance if they'd beaten Palace in that game, they would have gone into the top four before the international break. But we have to be very careful not to just run away with ourselves because, as Sam said, inconsistency is the, the watchword here. And I think the the best example of that is they're inconsistent in the inconsistent pitches on the pitch positions on the pitch if that makes sense they're wide players you, you know you can have a, a fairly strong core they normally have Rice Noble experienced Premier League play well Rice obviously getting there at the back they're quite solid Fabianski I know he's injured at the moment but he's, he's a good goalkeeper but you can almost throw a blanket over their, their wide players with regards to who Pellegrini will pick or whether they're going to turn up Yarmolenko Manuel Lanzini time and again you know they could put in a bit of a performance then they can go missing for three four games yeah. that isn't good enough when you look at the sides that are going to be looking to get into sixth and seventh their wide players are performing in terms of assists in terms of goals and I think to, to swing back to the Sheffield United game that's exactly going to be another issue for them because if there's one area where Sheffield United are strong it's out wide and if you've got um, Lanzini on one side or Yarmolenko on the other and you've got George Baldock and Ender Stevens bombing on who've been really good so far this season they'll cause big problems for West Ham Let's uh, let's take a quick quick scoot through some of the other games this weekend um, Everton are away at Brighton Everton have had a mixed bag to say the least they've they've won one since, since they beat uh, I want to say they beat Wolves. Yeah, it was Wolves in that three yeah. two. They've only won one since, which was the two 0 win against Everton, against Everton, against West Ham. We've got Brighton, who again are one of those teams this season who they look like they might struggle, but Potter seems to get 
something out of them when it matters. It's it's a bit of a strange game. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, f- I feel terrible because you're looking at me to answer this, and I don't think I don't think anyone has an yeah, answer for this. I don't think there is an answer. I think <laughs> I don't think there is. You know, we've just chatted about West Ham and Sheffield United and inconsistencies. These are two teams where this game could be anything. Anything yeah, could happen. Yeah. I mean, I would be shocked if Everton won away I think that was probably the only consistent in all of this yeah. but Brighton you know we, we don't particularly think of the Amex and go really hard place to go really difficult to get a result there this game could go absolutely either way I don't expect it to be t- be particularly exciting but I suppose if I was tipping more to it I'd probably go for a Brighton home win but the likelihood is probably a draw I just don't see Everton winning away from home and, and I don't believe that the result last weekend changes things for Silver massively in terms of his future or where Everton are going Yeah, it could be one of those where it could be 3 or 4 nil, but I don't know who to, who to yeah. <laughs> but it, it is like you said before file it under mid to lower card yeah. for, for match of the day isn't it not a sexy fixture <laughs> um, we'll just go into another one Newcastle Wolves Wolves got an incredibly good result again in Europe in the week won all of the European games Away to Newcastle, this has got much of the away to Burnley vibe about it, especially for some clubs. Again, it's it's not it's not the game of the weekend, draw but next. it does smell like a nil-nil draw, doesn't it? Should we move on from Newcastle Wolves? No offence, Newcastle and Wolves fans. Sorry, Marley and everyone else. That will have to move yeah, on. Yeah, genuine. I mean, good, good, it, bloody good clubs. Bloody good clubs. Draw. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like just they got a great result midweek, but then but then last weekend they were drawing at home against. Southampton, yeah, know, and it's so yeah, and beat City. Well, Wolves are that City, club yeah. who will get an incredible result and they'll look like world beaters and then draw nil nil. Yeah. It's that club. It's that kind of club. I moment. almost couldn't tell what game you're referring to there. Yeah. <laughs> I almost, I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't pick it out. Yeah. Um, don't start. Cue some very angry responses. Don't start. I'm saying absolutely <laughs> Newcastle nothing. Wolves. Yeah. Do you know, know what? I think they should be like. It's, it's, just, managed, it's just one of those games, isn't it? I come on the podcast and every time manage to annoy Newcastle fans. <laughs> to be fair, Newcastle fans. Nobody's got lower expectations of Newcastle than Newcastle fans, have they? Apart from that's then, the whole problem. Then, then, then no. Let's go into that another time. Never mind. Never mind. If Marley was here, he would contest to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Arsenal Crystal Palace. This is actually uh, an interesting tie. Again, I think this is another one where either side could win 2 0 and you'd go, all right, okay, that makes sense. Pepe finally, no, finally, no, <laughs> finally got his goals in midweek. <laughs> he's yeah, got, but got, the, got them very giddy, hasn't he? No, but I mean, fair, fair play is obviously good, but it's one of those where he's like, he's not as crap as everyone was making. No, out. no. and now he's not great. Like, no. like last night, I learned people on Twitter, not just Arsenal fans, but people in general. Oh, oh, it was too it was too early to write him off. It's like, well, yeah, but it's too no early now did. to say it's, he's a success. Can we yeah. just can exactly. we have a can we have a minute, please? <laughs> have a grown um, up conversation, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Palace. But, Pal- the Palace. thing is, this this has got a bit of a vibe, and maybe this is just a lazy cop out, but it's got a bit of a vibe of when they played Villa the other week, mm. um, and Villa goals. were winning, but they ended up coming back. Yeah, yeah, goals and. What did you make of Palace against City? Did- they didn't do a lot. No, they looked negative, didn't they? Which yeah. I uh, obviously they played Again, on the break. Fine, yeah, but I, th- I don't know if you play on the break, you need to kind of do it higher up. You need to be winning the ball back higher up. You need to be higher up the pitch. Um, Wolves were good at that. Obviously, they they did kind of get deeper, but when they won the ball for the goals, it was kind of there was at least City players ahead of it, you know. Yeah. But by the time Palace were winning the ball or getting the ball back, you know, City were well organised. And if you're going to get at this City team, you want to be getting straight at the centre back, not whatever's in front of them. That's why Wolves had success. Um, Palace will, Palace are Palace are Palace, basically. You know, they'll pick up points here and there. God knows. They'll pick up points when no one's paying attention, you know. If you're focused on Liverpool's game this weekend or 
the United game or the Liverpool game or whatever, and you, you know we've got a full eye on it. Palace might get a win. Mm. I, I think the the issue here and they'll be all right, but this weekend I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a difficult one. To go. I mean, the, the fear for me for, for Arsenal is that where Palace have got success so far this season, aside from that City game, is they play very narrow on the left hand side with with Zaha. They look to play quite direct up to him and get Ayu around him. Ayu's knocked in a few goals already this season. No one can really believe that. Uh, I didn't even think he was a striker before the start of the season, and I'm still not fully convinced that he is. Um, and for Arsenal, that's an issue. Hector Bellerin's only just about coming back in. He's played a bit of Europa League, but he hasn't played in the Premier League. It's probably going to be Callum Chambers at right back. He's not looked massively comfortable defensively. And then you add into the cocktail either Socrates or David Luiz on that side of, of the of the central defensive two. Palace will be looking at that situation and going, if we can get the ball up quickly to Ayu and get Zaha beyond him or to Zaha's feet and look to kind of pincer them two defenders and leave um, Jordan Ayu free in the box, that's going to cause real issues for Arsenal. Manchester City, on the other hand, didn't have that situation because they were able to deal with the aerial ball. I know, obviously, they weren't playing centre-backs at centre-back, they were playing midfielders, but in terms of a full-back position, they had a full-back capable of the pace of going, well, Zaha's not going to run in behind me and he's not going to run in behind Fernandinho, I'll cover. And, and even Edison's alert enough as a goalkeeper to know he needs to be off his line. Arsenal don't have any of the... Not only <laughs> do they not have those three players, they don't have the ability to, to see that situation. Well, I think what, what sort of worried me about Arsenal, uh, watching Arsenal um, on Monday was... They just seemed so lacking in terms of ideas mm-hmm. when it came to the final third. You know, it was like when it went sort of you know, deep into that second half when they were getting a lot more of the ball, they just didn't know. They, they, they had no options and ways to break down. Obviously, that was Sheffield United putting a lot of players behind the ball and doing a great job of, of being tight. But yeah, it was it was a bit worrying considering, again, how, how much everyone talks about their attacking press. But they, they really struggled. Alarm bells ringing that they've got one of the most creative midfielders Europe's seen for about 10 years who's off on holiday somewhere. The Mesut Ozil's just sat somewhere going, amazing, oh, that's, that's a shambles in itself. But I think that's just very Arsenal. That, that Ozil's just yep. gone. It is, and and I I would be shocked if he plays this weekend because Emery's dug his heels in after the the Europa League game when the fans were singing for him. He's dug his heels in and said, yeah, he might be involved, he might not be involved, and I think it's more than likely. You know, Sam's BFF Nicholas Pepe gets a start than, than Mesut Ozil I, <laughs> no, he's I, all right, but I just, just don't think know. he's no no I, I'm in full agreement and as an Arsenal fan I think the, the the chat about him after the game was way 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 too hyperbolic he's, he's a good player but I look at the other games he's played in so far this season and he's really flattered to deceive and, and missed some big chances that were much easier than the free kick that he stuck in the top corner and Ozil will end up playing at Anfield on, on Wednesday night because that's what Emery's done with him this season yeah. he's gone well you're not playing in that Premier League game but I'm going to throw you into what is a massive cup tie. Yeah. Good luck. You haven't played for a few weeks. And, and I've been I've been a critic of Ozil uh, so far this season, and I, and I stand by what I've said about him before. But nor is it fair that, as you say, if he if he starts that League Cup game, and, and he may well even captain the side, given the players that he'll be in with. If Arsenal don't go to Anfield and win, despite the fact that we haven't won at Anfield for years, it'll be see Ozil again. <laughs> and this is one time where I think people like myself or people who have criticised Ozil will, and I will have to go well no this is a this is a blatant example of Emery hanging him out to dry Right well let's move on to another cliche uh, United are away at Norwich we don't want to dwell on this one too long United obviously won away for the first time since March in Belgrade which was a great result for them they played uh, probably above the station uh, against Liverpool last weekend and now they go to Norwich who've been let's be honest terrible since they beat City so is is this going to be a another Norwich are going to turn up or 
is this United's chance to kick on? Are you hoping it's they put in the performance that they're against? Yeah, well, I'd be annoyed if they don't. <laughs> I'd be annoyed if that's the only one that they've turned up for this season. But I, 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 I mean, I think as always, when United are playing, and as we were talking about last week, you know, it's it's probably more about the expectation of United and what team is going to turn up there, and you know, based on a great one or draw against Liverpool last week getting the result in the Europa League you know again that could have been a, a, a bit of a finger pointing exercise at, at Oli which team's going to turn up and you know if they if they get a win everyone starts getting a little bit more excited talking about Solskjaer he's managed to wind the United fans up again today he's gone very very David Moyes by saying that United this is a quote I hope we are going to be able to stop them because it's oh. always difficult down at Carrow Road <laughs> It's very David Moyes, isn't it? Oh, very David Brent is what it is. Yeah. I would say more than David Moyes. Sam, are United expecting to win? I don't. I don't no. even know. No. A bit like the new, to a lesser extent, but a bit like the Newcastle thing. You know, a lot of United fans not expecting a lot at the moment. Uh, I'd, personally, I'd be more surprised if United won than if Norwich did. Really? Yeah. Even the way Norwich playing. Yeah, but even the way United are playing, have you seen them? <laughs> That's true. This, well, Norwich this could, have been particularly bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This they could just be a nil-nil. Nil. Given, given, yeah. given the, the actual players United yeah. have got, both as bad as each other. Yeah. If, you look, trip, if you look at it, pound for From pound. Belgrade as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Europa League never helps. Again, and their squad depth isn't... Talk, mm. Talking about, you know, the, the approach to beat Liverpool and, you know, you need certain factors in your favour. Um, you know, the home, crowd, the home crowd being one and the players being up for a big game and that kind of thing. You know, the Norwich will have had all week to prepare for it United will have been in Belgrade coming back they'll have been looking at Norwich on the plane on the way back um, today might have a meeting on yeah today uh, um, <laughs> this it's, is, it's yeah. not a it's it's just not a game I see United winning easily they they weren't even very good against Partizan no, no, no one shot on target and that was the penalty that yeah, they scored with. exactly I did no, enjoy just people are hiding behind the result but it's <laughs> I enjoyed the duo of Harry Maguire and Phil Jones trying to out Phil Jones each other, which oh. was utterly bizarre. But anyway, that <laughs> that's Norwich United. We'll just kind of get rid of that one. And a final one, the another interesting game this this weekend. It's the early kickoff. Villa go into Manchester City. This to me, again, let's go very biased. City head on seems like quite an interesting game. Villa have been quite attacking this season, and they seem quite astute as well. They've got a very exciting midfield. They've got a striker who is massive in Wesley, <laughs> who's also got great feet. They are quite an interesting team. Mings at the back. They've had some terrible results, but they've had some really good results this weekend. For City, seems like get it won, early doors, get through it, and it'll be fine. I don't think this is going to be Watford 8-0. I, I can't see anything like that. I don't know whether that's no. just pessimism, but Dean Smith again today came out and said that City won't have faced um, anyone, anyone like John McGinn, which is one of my favourite quotes this season. Yeah, it's also irrelevant. It is quite irrelevant. <laughs> but I mean, they won't, they won't have faced anyone like me, doesn't mean I'm going to have a good yeah. game. No, it's like... McGinn's obviously John Mc... good, but you yeah. know, they've, played, they've faced better players than yeah, him. Yeah, that's what I like, thought. No disrespect whatsoever, they have played better yeah. players than him, better teams than him. Teams who have got better idea of getting the best out of their better players. It's a weird thing to say. I, I, I agree. I mean, he might score fair enough, no. but it's a weird yeah. thing to say anyway. If he does, fair. He's got it well, spot I, No, on. even so. I'm not having it. <laughs> I, that tickled me. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in full agreement with Sam on this. I think... Dean Smith's trick is quite clear here. He said this, so John McGinn's confidence is lifted. But in reality, then, 
whatever John McGinn does against Manchester City is probably not going to I'm, I'm cursing them now no, he's not going to live right. up to expectations so yeah I do agree with Sam yeah it's a it's a token gesture to build up his confidence he's started the season well but this is a test of the, John McGinn needs to have a 9 out of 10 game in order to influence that City midfield whereas in other games that he's played he can have a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10 and that's not a slight on him he has had a very good start to the season he's been linked with a potential move to Man United in January at the end of the season which you know the way things are going he might want to stay at Villa but <laughs> As it goes, I, I do, I do, I do see Sam's point of you know we need to be very careful in these situations of building and building and building when when it's not point um, when there's no point to it. Sam, maybe maybe, um, maybe that's what Solskjaer should start doing. Like, <laughs> you've never faced anyone like Andreas Pereira. No, never. Phil well, Jones. Unless Ferguson said it, Solskjaer's not doing it. Oh, the cat! Not. The cat is out there. <laughs> oh, he's not. He's definitely not going to play this weekend. Oh, he has played. The oh. difference was when Ferguson said like Roy Keane wasn't going to play. It actually make a difference to the yeah. game yeah anyway yeah. Back, back <laughs> um, to City. the thing is with City though uh, and I'm not taking a piss out of Villa or McGinn um, <laughs> the thing Guardiola has been really keen to kind of add uh, yeah give extra protection to his defence in recent weeks even before the Laporte injury he was thinking a bit oh we're conceding chances here um, and obviously with the Laporte injury he's been trying different things and you know Getting Gundogan to play a bit deeper against Norwich and against Wolves didn't, didn't really work. work. Even against Everton, they conceded a lot of chances. You know, they needed the, the De Bruyne cross for the first goal. You know, a free kick out of nothing for, for the breakthrough, even though they were creating chances. So there's something not quite right there. It, it looked like he'd maybe come across something good with the whole Rodri at centre-back thing. Um, and they were trying interesting stuff in the first 10-15 minutes against Atalanta. You know, instead of Rodri- uh, Gundogan stepping back to play with Rodri in the back of midfield, Rodri was stepping forward to play with Gundogan in the back of midfield, and that was kind of interesting. But yeah, Rodri's injured now. Um, I don't go for the Guardiola overthinking narrative. I, I think it's a load of rubbish. But I do think he has been thinking a lot about protecting the defence. But tomorrow... We're kind of running out of players for it. No. Yeah, but also tomorrow, if you just go away, you know, Fernandinho and Stones, not bad. You know, if you're saying Stones... Yeah, yeah. If you're saying Stones isn't going to have a horror show, and he doesn't have many, he's got this bad reputation, but he doesn't have many horror shows. If they just play their normal game, you know, with Gundogan in front, like they did towards the end of last season, you know, Gundogan okay. spraying passes, carrying the ball, dictating the pace, De Bruyne ahead of him, Silver ahead of him, any front three you can pick out of that city front three, was, they should be absolutely you, fine. Jesus or Aguero, I know that you've you've written about this. Mm. Is is it a case of so for the uninitiated and even myself here? We, we still can't work out why Jesus plays when Aguero doesn't or why Aguero plays in certain games. This surely tomorrow is just Aguero, surely. Yeah, you'd think so, because at the end of the day, and there's a load of different things, basically they're both fundamentally very good. Yeah, um, They both offer slightly different things, um, but you would think what you need against Villa, and you, you said earlier, get it won. Yeah, get it they're done. going to be getting De Bruyne into those crossing positions as much as possible in Early. the first 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and get Aguero on the end of them. That one of the things that um, they asked Gabriel Jesus about after the Palace game when he did that live interview on Sky, they said, "Oh, you were really annoyed with yourself, weren't you? Because you didn't quite get on the end of that De Bruyne cross after about ten minutes. He did the low one yeah, across yeah. the goal, and he was about a yard away from it. And he was like, yeah. He said he was annoyed because he was like, I know he's going to put the ball there, and De Bruyne knows I'm, I'm going to go there, and he didn't quite get there. And again, at home." Put De Bruyne, uh, sorry, yeah, put De Bruyne in those positions. Put Aguero on the end of that cross, cool. and if City was scoring early on, then the game's looking a lot better. Then any upset, Rich, or you 
Well, I, I think to be honest, from from what we've said, the only outcome that I can see happening is is a McGinn hat trick <laughs> in a four three defeat, and then a fifty yeah. million pound move to Manchester United. <laughs> Yeah, and then he plays left back for the yep, rest of his yep. career. <laughs> let's let's end the show on a bit of a fun note. Um, there's been that was fun, it, wasn't it? That was well, it was fun listening to you try not to dig into yeah. Solskjaer. But I think we've we've scooped into your head a little bit. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it happens every time. Every time there's a little yeah, but Ferguson won. Oh no, we've got it oh, again. Yeah. Is he still not? To be fair, this Ferguson spot? wouldn't have said we need to be at our best to beat Norwich, would we? That is Moyes all over. But is, is he not still not parking in his spot? Uh, I think. Ah, oh, who knows. Brilliant. Without wanting to throw petrol on Sam's fire, I also don't think Alex Ferguson will be signing John McGinn either. Well, apparently he said he wants him. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's Scottish and yeah. maybe he's got some money. That worked out well last double sabotage in Solskjaer. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. There's been, there's been the most incredible transfer rumour for a hell of a long time. Ex-City, ex-Blackburn, run. Uh, I can't even say this with a straight face. Jack Rodwell is apparently on his way to AS Roma to to overcome their real issues of midfield injuries, to join Chris Smalling in the spine of AS Roma's team. And w- why? Well, I, I, why? Just, I just think based on their, their game last night against Borussia Mönchengladbach, <laughs> AS Roma fans, as if they didn't have enough ridiculousness with Chris Smalling getting a ball in the face and then giving away a penalty. <laughs> you know, you go to bed and you're like, oh, we'll put that to bed and you wake up in the morning, you open the paper, you go online, oh, my- now we're signing Jack Rodwell. Like, what? What's going to be the next day? What I mean, what what can we pencil in for next week for AS Roma fans? Phil like, Jones. I, I dread to think what could be happening next. The guy who does the Twitter playing up front. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think some people rightly said on Twitter maybe this is just the biggest plot from a social media team of all time. They're going to sign Jack Rodwell, and he's he's going to be the guy who's been running the social media for the last year because he's not been playing football. Sorry, Rich, I know that he was playing at Blackburn. Was he any good? Or? Correct. Um, <laughs> well, not, not, no, he did all right, to be fair. He did okay. He did okay. Uh, I, I, you know, definitely wasn't like he's the worst player we've ever had. But he, he certainly also, wasn't. He also wasn't a £20 million England international who probably... Do you think, do you think the Roman fans... Even know who he is. If they've watched the Sunderland documentary, they're not going to like him very much yeah, because he managed right. to sabotage himself in that. Yeah. It's it's a strange one. But talking of strange ones, um, there, there's a few others. Because of this, we need to look at some other weird ones in history. I'll start with Julian Faubert going from West Ham to Real Madrid. And to be honest, at the time, I didn't know how weird that was yep. because I, I was very much just watch City, don't bother. Apparently, he played for West Ham for two years and didn't score, and yeah. then got a move to Real Madrid. That's a weird one. I think this is an example of, and I don't mean this as a joke, where you look at a deal and you go, who is his agent? How on earth has this come yeah. about? Because I don't remember, aside from the fact that that's, that's a hell of a stat that he didn't even score in two years, I don't I even remember right. him having a, a good performance or even a, a medium performance for West Ham when he was there. How on earth that came up on Real Madrid's radar, I have no idea. He he's, I, do you know what? I think he's just become my favourite ever player because I've just seen his career path, and I've done him a real disservice. He was at West Ham for five years, um, and that's he, even worse. He was at, he was at West Ham <laughs> for five years as a right midfielder, and scored twice in five years. Then went to Real Madrid on loan. He played twice. Obviously, he didn't score, but then he ended up at Kilmarnock. <laughs> And played a few games. Basically, he's a right winger who, in his whole career, has scored twenty goals. 
So that's a good one. His well, agent must be great. Well, Real Madrid do have a bit of like history previousness. I mean, yeah. it, this wasn't. It was weird, actually. Do you remember when uh, Thomas Graveson went from Everton to yeah. Madrid? That was a proper like. Thomas, are you sure? <laughs> See, at the time, I always wanted United to sign Graveson because I was like, he's he's because he looks he's got, he's got it, this guy, and he was got good at set pieces and that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he ran out of steam very quickly. I, at I, yeah, I mean, I would have done that as a like a fourteen-year-old United fan watching, <laughs> yeah. you know, how, football on the telly. However, not, not Real Madrid yeah. <laughs> transfer director because he just didn't at the time as well. He didn't fit. You know, it's like this really like gritty, bold guy who's just like a terrier. Yeah. It's like. He's not... The fans aren't really going to warm to him, I don't think. But well, laugh at Thomas Graveson all you want. He's a billionaire now, so... True. I, well, I, really I for one, would That's never laugh podcast. at Thomas Graveson. <laughs> I don't think anyone would, would laugh at yeah. Thomas Graveson. Definitely not to his face, anyway. No. But, yeah, very scary man. He, he is a scary man. <laughs> uh, Woodgate was another... He, probably a less strange one. He is was, this just Real Madrid, then? It seems like it. <laughs> I feel a bit... Oh, well, OK, let's move away, away no, from no, that. No, I feel no, bad no. on Woodgate. If, if the cap fits, you know... No, I feel bad on Woodgate, because... He was he was good when he went to Real Madrid and he was obviously there for cover and then he got himself sent off and scored an own goal in his debut. However, Nicholas Bentner has had the career of all careers. His agent must be extraordinary. Yeah. Still getting him branded deals all yeah. over the show, getting him fined every other week. Get, he, hasn't he just been in prison? Yeah, yeah, he got, put, he got put away earlier this year. It wasn't for the Paddy Power pants, before you ask. Um, <laughs> but he went to Juventus, didn't he, on loan yeah. when he was at Arsenal. That's right. Yep. And I still don't know how because they asked, he became a meme before memes existed. Well, it was such a, a bizarre move. I think he was one of these players at Arsenal where he was so frustrating because everything about him was was so irritating. Mm. Like the odd goal that he would score did not at all change the fact that he was such an such a pain in such a pain in the ass. Like he was <laughs> he was so arrogant and and just like he's, you know he used to come out with these ridiculous quotes about how he was going to be the best player in the world or how he would compare himself on par with Messi or Ronaldo, and you just thought. Have you? Are you talking about yourself? Like you're not talking about someone you're not. Only you are talking about yourself. But again, it's it's another one of them strange ones where Juventus wanted some striking cover. Why on earth he went for him? But I think so much of this plays into, like we said about agents that are able to strike these deals. I, you know, we all laugh about these ridiculous moves that come off. But I just think it's the agents working behind the scenes that are are so capable at brokering these deals. Good salesman. The Bebe one to United was a, an odd one, Sam. Yeah, that yeah well, it, it depends what we're thinking because like Bebe at the time was, oh, okay, who's this guy? Um, but it wasn't like a... It what? wasn't the like, worst. It's, it's yeah. only like terrible in hindsight because he's obviously a really bad player and it was dodgy, I would say. Tell you what's probably a reverse Rodwell and this is a total slight on the club I support. When Rubinho went to City... I imagine we're saying, oh my God, why is Rodwell going? Why are Roma signing Rodwell? This was, why has Rubinho gone to Manchester City from Real Madrid? That was weird. I mean, weird in a great way for me. But let's be honest, he had no idea what was going on. If you're talking about agents, that that was weird. Yeah, no, definitely. But that was, I guess that was sort of... Money driven. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. If if we're being honest. And it's a statement, it's a statement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like that... Football clubs do that. It's like when PSG got David Beckham on loan. You know, you at a certain level of getting towards super club, you buy somebody famous and attention grabbing. Yeah. And City had about twenty four oh. hours to buy someone, what? didn't they? And it was like, who are we going to get? This guy who's just left Real Madrid, Brazilian potential superstar. I guess the other one, which is always like the odd sort of, it's football manager coming to real life, was the Tevez and Mascherano to West Ham debacle. That was Topical. that was in- incredible. Yeah, that was mad, wasn't it? Yeah. That was like. What? Yeah, it and was probably again talking about it from like my point of view of like being a however old United fan at that point. It was like, 
hang on, why don't United sign these guys? Yeah. Like, that would have been great. That's like, still and, happening. And every, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that'd still, that'd probably be better now. Yeah. For, um, yeah, but I mean, they, they could have gone to any top team in the yeah. country at that time, couldn't they? That was, a, I mean, again, though, that is full on agent driven, isn't yeah. it? Like the Kia Jurabjian, that made him famous. Well, well, one for me as well, if we're talking about like almost players who are past their best, making a bit of an <laughs> odd move, um, we've, we, Blackburn have a lot of previous of that. But probably my favourite one is when we signed Lorenzo Amoruso. Yeah. Who was sort of like, obviously, you know, was never like tipped to be a really like great player, but he'd been around for so long, sort of talked about for so long. And we signed him, it was like, ah, oh, that's quite exciting, but he was actually very average. <laughs> but an absolute unit. We, we that was a really nice one. We signed Andrew Cole and Robbie Fowler. Just yeah. if we're going to go just for the fun yeah. of it, just because oh the these are strikers who are available and no. I promise not very old, but but Rodwell's not even past his best. He's not even ever been at his best. True, That's, yeah. yeah true. He spent five years of just not doing anything. So fair play to his agent. I just anyway. don't see what Roma have seen in him. Like Daniel De Rossi, who's been Means. their captain for for over a decade, has retired, and you're replacing him with Jack Rodwell. He's got a bocker, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah he's left. Yeah, he's left. Gone, pardon. He's gone for it to another cult team. Which is great. Yeah, that's who, great. Yeah. yeah, it's just Love the biggest fit ever. <laughs> has, has he been kicking off over there? Surely he has. I'm not sure. With fans I and things. I, I, I hope he comes back to Rome and kicks off on Jad, Jack Rodwell. That's, that's well, what we're all looking forward if, to. I just hope that Roma make a documentary about <laughs> Smallin and Rodwell trying to learn Italian. That's my dream scenario now mm. going forward. Speaking of which, can I just get in before we finish? Jay yes. Bothroy to Perugia. That's weird. That Where weird. from? From Coventry. Hey, Coventry was the first senior club, and then went to Perugia in two thousand and three. Another ex Rovers, Jay Bothroyd. Yeah, still, yeah, and Colin, still going. You've had them all. Colin yeah. Kazim Richards as well. He was Colin one, wasn't Kazim he? Richards, who, yeah. Yeah. Whose agent managed to fly him around the world and clock up some air miles. Ravel Morrison to that Mexican team. Tigres. Oh. I don't think. I don't think no, he was. I think it was Aztec. a bit more. No, no, I think Should've it was Aztec. I was going to. I was going to check this, but I got sidetracked by Jay Bothroyd's current club of. Hokkaido Consadale Sapporo in Japan. You can't blame him. So what, they're, they're a fine team. <laughs> Bloody like, good club. On, on that, you know what's one of the best ones, and it was like a really super viral video at the time, was um, Darren Huckerby signed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, when he went to America? Yes. And it was like soccer legend Darren, Darren Huckerby and sort of really talking him up, and he just looked so confused. <laughs> like, you, you've got the wrong person. Yeah, it was like they were talking <laughs> about later. Ronaldo. Yeah. Edgar Davids, Barnett. Barnett. Yeah. yeah. That was also a, a very strange move. Roberto Mancini at Leicester, briefly. That was another strange one. What that a happened. beautiful man. He, yeah. he gets yeah. away with it. Cambiasso at Leicester. Yeah. Ironically, out before they won the league. Almost yeah. took them down, which was, yeah. was great. He had that really good game against United, and then yeah. he, he looked great. I always remember him when I saw him play. I thought, oh, he, he looks like yeah, Rolls-Royce, proper Rolls-Royce, and he was dreadful. You know, when a player looks great, when they're, they're lining up a pass and the body shape's great, and it's just going out of play. Yeah, that, that kind of player. That's sad, that's sad, though. You don't want that yeah. from, from... On the like career that he's had. Depends yeah. who it is. There's a few players I'd like that to happen to, but never mind. <laughs> right, should we end it there? Yeah, good yeah. idea. Yeah, so obviously loads loads to talk about. It's been uh, been lots of fun. Big weekend of football ahead again. I've been with Fergal. Thank Rich, you very much. Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Sam will be at the City game, no doubt. I will. What, what are you doing this weekend? Are you doing uh, anything special? Yeah, you know, you may have seen on Twitter they've got this new sensory room um, for, you know, basically kids who want to go to football, but they're not, not really able to because, you know, they struggle with going to crowds. They may have 
things like autism or Down syndrome, that kind of thing, where just going to a football match is difficult. You know, their parents couldn't even imagine being able to take them to one. I know a few other Premier League grounds have got these sensory rooms now, but City have got one. Um, I'm going to go in there and you know see see how they get on and watch the game from there. Very nice. Sounds like a nice little a nice little idea from City. Fair Very play. Nice. Well, thanks to everyone who's listened to the Football Social Daily Weekend Preview Show. If you've not already, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a lovely review and, yeah, give us some five stars. Please, that would be lovely. And don't forget, we're the only Premier League show that you can find daily. And if you want to, uh, we would advise it. Uh, you can go to our source of daily Premier League news as well with updates on all 20 teams every single day. Just ask your Amazon Alexa device to enable Sports Social. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.